Hello and welcome to Founded and Grounded, the podcast that offers reality, reassurance and inspiration for the startup community. Each edition, we feature a different entrepreneur who dispenses their wisdom on their own business experiences and startup journey. And we share them with you, the listener, on your own business journey, or maybe you're simply curious, who knows, but either way, offering that realistic take on what it is to run your own business and be your own boss. I'm Andrew Parsonage. You're very welcome to episode five of series two. And here we are recording in the depths of a wet Wednesday evening in November. It doesn't get any more dreary than that, sadly. But we'll brighten up things now as I bring into the call at this point, because we are on a call, sadly. We are still doing this virtually. The days of recording over the kitchen table with the mics are uh, still tantalizingly just a few months away. But for now, we'll have to make do with the video call and Mr. Ollie Collard, business startup guru. Good evening, Ollie. Good evening, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you, sir. And how are things with you? I should say to the listeners, actually, this is probably the last podcast that Ollie's going to record as a father of one, because next time we speak in this way, you will have another one to contend with, Ollie. Is that correct? Indeed, yeah. My wife is expecting to give birth very, very soon. She's pretty much ready to pop. So, um, yeah, next time we speak, I will be a father of two. Joining yourself, Andrew. Absolutely. It's an exclusive club. <laughs> and, and a very tiring one of that as well. But no, you'll be fine. So, Ollie, we obviously wish you all the best in the next few weeks. But for now, enjoy the, the luxury of only having one child to think about. So, uh, here we are. So, let's like say episode five. And, Ollie, this week we'll be going out just before, I suppose, December kicks in, when this is broadcast, and thoughts turn to Christmas shopping. So, this episode, we may give you an idea for a Christmas present or two. Ollie, would that be correct? May well be indeed. If if the listeners do like luxury fashion at an affordable price, we could well have the present for yourself. Excellent. So this episode is all about luxury fashion. It's a sector that we haven't really covered before on, on this programme. So looking forward to that. We'll tell you about our guest entrepreneur in just a second. And Freya will be along later with all the details about our social platforms and how to get in touch. But first of all, back to our next guest. And yes, as I said, this is all about giving you some ideas for your Christmas gifts this year. And we do have a bit of a bonus discount to offer again in the show. We did it a few episodes ago with Riggle, and we've got something else to offer you this evening. So, Ollie, could you tell us about this episode's guest entrepreneur, please? I sure can, Andrew. So I met with Kerry virtually. So Kerry is the, the founder of a luxury fashion brand that is exclusively British which is called Amashala. Excellent. Plenty of interesting talking points coming up in this latest show and stuff that we haven't really spoken about before on previous editions. The theme for this particular episode, Ollie and I are mulling over this because potentially there were lots of things we could talk about. But really, I think it came back to very simply, Ollie, giving business a go. Yeah, I think sometimes you've just got to believe in yourself, combine your passion with what you want to do in your life and just just give it a shot really so that's the theme of the show my name is Carrie Andrana I'm the CEO and founder of UK design brand Amshella we make affordable luxury handbags so how are you different and why does that matter Carrie? well I think Amshella the brand is different because we try and show that we are a human brand and what I mean by that is that myself I'm very approachable I'm very contactable we make bags for the ordinary woman 
that likes to still have a little bit of luxury and we price our bags within that range so they are affordable for everyone so I think I would say we're different because we are a very open and inclusive brand to all going back luxury bags were I more than often or not um kind of you know at the higher price points they were for a more elite market group and demographics of women and I think Amshella we try to strip it back to the bare minimum and say no that's not right you know every woman should be able to have a luxury bag at a reasonable price that they can afford so I think that is really why we're different. Awesome Kerry love it and apologies I'm obviously not your target demographic um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, in, in terms of buying a handbag. Talk to me a bit about kind of where you're positioned in the market, who are your competitors, how that's maybe changed over time. That's a really good question, because if I'm absolutely honest, when Amshella launched, we didn't place ourselves to have any competitors. That actually sounds quite strange coming from a business perspective, but I really sought out for Amshella to kind of create its own lane. I think the turning point came after, I think, about eight, nine months when we've made our first appearance in Vanity Fair after we launched, and then that quickly followed by British Vogue. And then we really had to look at opening up our demographics from more so the ordinary woman wanting affordable luxury to a higher luxury market. Yeah, I think that's just where we're going with it, really. And just coming back to the beginning, so yeah. the questions around... When did you start? And Mm -hmm. also, it sounded like you've got some amazing traction early on. I mean, I don't know much about fashion, but obviously I know about Vogue and stuff like that. So talk to us a bit about your early journey when you set up. We started in 2017. So we actually launched in April 2017. How I got to start the brand was I myself had gone to a period of um, redundancy. And then whilst I was looking for another corporate role I decided to start the brand and then a a really strange turn of events then happened we were spotted by one of the hello magazine fashion editors who was going to fashion week in the September of 2017 and approached us to wear one of our bags wearing that bag they were then spotted by the Vanity Fair team who then approached us for a feature And we did that feature in February 2018 and then were followed in March 2018 by British Vogue. So we made our very first appearance in British Vogue, I think not even a year after we launched. And, you know, when you were getting that that early traction, you know, less than a year into setting up, Mm -hmm. was there any issues in terms of trying to keep up with demand? Yeah, there were a lot of issues because at that time when we first set up, the pan bags were actually being made by hand. So we weren't manufacturing at that point. After the first Vanity Fair appearance, we did see an increase. But I would say the actual moment when it became a really significant increase was when we appeared in British Vogue. And then the orders just were coming in, coming in. The phone was ringing, emails. It literally just went crazy. And I then had to then employ two other handbag artisans to come in and help me because we weren't manufacturing at that time. And obviously growth brings lots of uh, new challenges, as you say. Yes, it it does, because you're then operating in an arena that you possibly hadn't even considered operating in when you first set up. The business plan that we had kind of went out the window (laughs) at that point. I think what happened was it was an amazing feature that we did for British Vogue. But in all honesty, 
I tell people this all the time when the advert for British Vogue went out they had sent me the copy I was so busy I kind of looked at the picture but I didn't actually read at the time the write-up I thought oh I'll read it later and British Vogue had written that we were the new handbag brand to watch for the UK you know that's a huge accolade but that is also a huge pressure moving to manufacturing comes with this whole new challenges I knew nothing about manufacturing how did it feel to kind of lose that control and actually give it over to somebody else's hands uh, to take care of that for yourself? Very, very difficult. It was very difficult for me. It is something that I still struggle with. It's not one of my strong points. Delegation of work, I'm not very good at. I'm definitely the type of person that likes to do everything myself. And I actually enjoy making handbags. So I like the old process. So in order to kind of help me with that, what I've done is we manufacture in the UK. And that way, I feel like I'm not giving too much away because I'm on hand. I can go to the factory. I can have a really close relationship. If there's a problem with a design, you know, I can get there within an hour and a half and things like that. So I have a very close relationship with our manufacturers. And I think that tends to kind of help me. (laughs) I want Amshella to be, which we are, a British brand. And I think when I say that, I mean that I mean all aspects of the brand are done if not by the brand itself by the supply chain that is all you know in in the UK the obviously the issue is then it comes down to obviously cost because ordinarily it's a lot cheaper to manufacture abroad and have the products brought in however for our position I would like Amshella to be British brand through and through and and just going back to the early days then so kind Mm. of more to when you were actually thinking of the idea. Mm-hmm. How did you validate that there was enough demand for your products? Can I be totally honest? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> when I say that to people, that it's always like, you know, especially in business, I guess most business people say, oh, God, that's not what we want to hear. But that is the absolute truth. I didn't really think about it for too long. I just decided that, okay, I could also make a handbag myself. So I have a background in self-taught sewing and making bags because my grandmother was a seamstress so I just thought between me and my children wouldn't it be good if we you know set up like a handbag brand and try and kind of make some income for about a year whilst I was obviously looking for another corporate job to go back into so I didn't put as much research into it at the beginning as possibly somebody who had really thought about setting up a brand. Mm, Yeah interesting but it sounds like obviously you had this vision, this passion, you had the skills and all of that made you feel confident enough to give it a try at least and see where yeah. it went. Yeah, and that's exactly, I think you've, you've termed it really right. I think initially it was just about giving it a try and see what happens. At the very least, we were going to be on Instagram so we could have an Instagram shop, make some extra income because I'd obviously been made redundant and I was in the process of searching for another job. Um, so there wasn't that much thought of at the beginning of being kind of who we are today. Well, Ollie, we were saying before we started recording this particular edition that business people can sometimes have a bit of an aura about them or a bit of a demeanour. And Kerry here, very down to earth. And maybe that's the gist of her business overall, Ollie, that this is very much a business and an individual for that matter that is accessible to other people, isn't it? 
Yeah, Carrie was definitely very personable. I think we had a quick chat before we recorded the podcast, and it was the first time we spoke. We exchanged a few emails. Straight away, Carrie and I just had a 25-minute conversation, and I felt like I knew her really well. And I think just the, like you say, being very down-to-earth, very personable. At the end of the day, business is about people, and I think she's got great people skills, and I imagine that she just develops relationships really well. Yeah, I'm just going to throw it out here at this point then. Do you think some businesses, in terms of how they market themselves and how they portray themselves, might actually cut off some of their customer base or their potential customer base because people think, oh, well, I'm not really their customer, even though they actually might be? Do you think maybe it's a bit here, Ollie, whereby Carrie's whole demeanor and the way she runs a business and the way she presents herself, actually, she's going to get more business that way because people can relate to her and, and the fact that she's trying to make her product accessible even though it's a very good quality product. Yeah, it's a really good point, Andrew. I think at the end of the day, Kerry is no bullshit. She's very real, very authentic, and that's how she presents and holds herself. And I think at the end of the day, people like that. They want to relate to someone. They want to believe in someone. They want someone that they can look up to and get inspired by at the same time. So I think Kerry definitely ticks all those boxes. I think Sometimes we talk about with founders about really describing your target audience and creating a a customer persona, which, you know, I would highly recommend doing and actually being very clear on your target market. But sometimes I think founders actually take that slightly the wrong way and actually they create a persona for themselves and they put themselves maybe on a pedestal of the person that they think they should be. Whereas if they actually adjust themselves, that's ultimately who they are. And actually, they might have a better business and market themselves in a better way if they were just themselves. Well, maybe that's a new theme for the podcast, Ollie. Be yourself. We'll change the theme. There we go. We've changed it halfway through the show. Let's just talk about the growth of the business then, because it's quite astounding when you think about it and where it all came from. The fact that she went from being made redundant and being between jobs to just maybe trying something to earn a bit of income in between roles. And all of a sudden, three, four years later, she's the owner of, of a successful business. I mean, it's quite a quite a rapid growth story, Ollie, isn't it? It is, Andrew. And I think Carrie was, you know, very open about when I asked her about why she went into business and what research she did. She just said, I didn't really do any. I just it was circumstantial and I enjoyed designing and making things. So I just went for it. So I think hats off to her. But as you say, it went from startup in the early phases of doing everything in-house to getting attention from lots of leading publications in the fashion world. And that resulted in her having to relinquish a bit of control and actually outsource a large part of her business. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to, to ask you about that. It's a classic story. It's a bit like an enemy when a band gets featured on the cover of Enemy. This is going back to the old days when it was a print magazine. And that was almost like the kiss of death for a band because after that point, it was, it was sort of nosedived in success. In some of the cases, not all the time. And similar situation here where you get the attention of iconic magazine brands like British Vogue and Vanity Fair. You'd think for any founder, for any business owner, this would be a dream come true that you're being featured in the pages of these very illustrious magazines. But actually it presented a very a very difficult dilemma for, for Kerry because all of a sudden, as she said, the phone was ringing and demand was going crazy. It's a hard one, isn't it? Because I think it's great in the sense of that, you know, lots of business is coming through the door. But ultimately, I get that Kerry's a person who wants to deliver. She doesn't want to over promise and under deliver. So 
she probably found it quite stressful in terms of all this business coming through the door, but actually how could she fulfill those orders and actually come up with the same high quality products to her new customers? So I think it definitely presents a lot of headaches, obviously nice headaches to have, yeah. but maybe some hard decisions that she had to make. Yeah, I'm sure lots of entrepreneurs and founders would love that kind of dilemma and having to make those sort of decisions. But maybe that was the point when her business went from being, dare I say, a cottage industry to actually being a bit more of a grown-up and slightly more mature business. I think so. And it, it essentially mm. happened overnight. Something else I wanted to ask you about, Ollie, in terms of the things that stood out for me from that first part of your conversation, was how she went from being artisan to being a manufacturing business. And she had to sort of let go of that handmade approach. It has had an impact on her costs for sure, but it made me think about actually... There is definitely a market for goods that are made in the UK that have low air miles, that use UK skills, local talents, that sort of thing. And do you think even at an inflated price point that people are willing to buy into that and willing to spend a bit more money in the process? Do you think businesses can realistically see that as their unique selling point? I think so. I think, you know, if you're very aware of, you know, supply chain issues these days and you know, the fact that in certain countries, people aren't earning a proper wage. We're very lucky in this country to have a minimum wage, although it's obviously not very high. But, you know, lots of employees are paying things like the living wage. And I think, actually, when you take into account the cost of the product, you've got a higher cost base. So I think people are prepared to pay a bit more for quality that is a sustainable product and has been manufactured and designed here in this country. Let's move on to the next part of the conversation with Kerry. And regular listeners will know that we always like to delve into the, the murky depths of the reality of running a business and in particular the challenges that entrepreneurs and founders come across. And obviously no different here with Kerry. So Ollie, next, put it to Kerry as to what she came up against. And this is what she had to say. Right. I think one of the biggest challenges, as we probably all know, is coronavirus and the current pandemic and how to pivot and navigate your brand so you're still visible and you actually can survive when the pandemic first happened we kind of did have a contingency plan so what that meant is that we looked at other ways to keep the brand visible especially at a period when sales dropped because i think when you're an affordable luxury brand like i'm shella we have i think very good price points however with people losing their jobs and businesses closing and everything else that was going on in the economic climate, we then actually overnight became expensive brand just because obviously people no longer had the reasonable costs that we were selling our products for then became unreasonable, if that makes sense. So I think what we did was we kind of put the sales organ to one side and focused on other things of the brand that we could do to kind of still elevate the brand so we introduced like a few new things which was sharing our platform with other brands in something that we do called in your bag which went very well was very successful it raised our profile to other places that we normally ordinarily wouldn't have gone into and it also let other brands into our kind of market space so in your bag is a feature where we reached out to a lot of local brands and it ended up going national with people with 
send us their products that you would not ordinarily find in a woman's handbag and then we would feature those products alongside with our bags and put that out on social media that went really well we also introduced things like Amshella um, Love Shout Out feature, which is obviously recognising and praising other people in the industry. And again, about sharing your platform. We got busy with joining the NHS as volunteers, which is something that we really love doing. We made some masks for local care homes. We also had contacted the university because we noticed that some of the students at our local university, their place, summer placements had cancelled. So we were able to take on two students and provide them with summer work and internships over the summer holidays. We actually now employ them now, so that's really good. Wow. That's a great story, Gary. And I think, yeah. Um, out of all of that, it sounds like you know, you're, you're being very nimble, changing direction and the overarching theme there was about collaboration and what help you could provide to other people yeah um, I, I think definitely that's where we went I think as a business it's very easy to forget that your business is successful or the success that it has really comes from the consumer because unless you have a consumer base that in line isn't aligned with your brand, it doesn't care how much how good the product is, you're not actually gonna sell anything. So I think at the time when the virus happened, I first felt that we had an obligation to our consumer base. Sales then started to kind of generate again. So I think I think it's really difficult because I think as a business again, you know, your sales ledger is what maintains your business. But I do think you need to be able to pivot your brand at times when that isn't possible. So I think that was our biggest challenge. Amazing, Gary. Some really good some good advice there for other businesses as well who Thank you. Are, are listening. So who do you lean on for support? Well, obviously, I have my family. And outside of that, I have a very good team. We're very close. Since I've been in the industry, I have actually met some really good people who I can lean on. They might work not maybe so much actually as a fashion brand, but maybe they work in PR. Maybe they work in television. Maybe they work in some of the subsidiaries areas around the brand. So it's always being good to be able to lean on them because Amshella is such a new brand in the grand scheme of things we're like three and a half years old so getting in contact with some brands that possibly have been going for 10 years for example and asking for advice I'm a great lover of asking for advice about things that I don't know so it's having that confidence to reach out to people and say okay this is what I'm struggling with can you help me I mean they're either going to say yes or no Obviously, I'm the CEO of the brand, but I recognise that I, too, am still learning as well. I'm actually learning and growing with the brand just because of the way that the brand kind of exploded so quickly. So, Ollie, not for the first time, COVID is referenced as a challenge for business. What's been interesting about the shows that we've done with businesses who've talked about the impact of COVID on them is that it's affected different businesses in different ways. And then those businesses have responded in different ways. And it was the same here with Kerry, the fact that the economic downturn as a result of the coronavirus had potentially a catastrophic effect on the business. But what was quite interesting was that actually she pivoted fairly quickly from being worried about the profit and loss sheet to thinking about maintaining the profile of a brand in the circumstances. And it's a point about brand that we'll come back to later in the show. But I thought that was quite a clever move that doesn't seem to have done any harm whatsoever. 
Yeah, and I think um, hats off to her in terms of that, to think, you know, that strategically about the whole business and not worry so much about the, the P&L in the short term and actually think about the bigger picture and realise that, you know, lots of her customers, their lives may have been affected. How can she help them? What can she do for the wider community? I think ultimately coronavirus has presented opportunity as well as obviously lots of threats, but I think it's about how you respond to these external factors and it's the same for every business obviously different businesses have been affected in different ways but if you're able to galvanize your customer base be seen to be doing some really good things for the local community then actually you can come out of coronavirus with a better profile and potentially a bigger customer base afterwards. A cynical person listening to this could say, oh, well, she probably had a bit of money behind her, she probably had a bit of capital behind her, so she could probably afford to be able to maybe throw herself into more community-related or, or more people-related activities, and she could afford not to worry about the account sheets. But it's it's hard to really argue whether in terms of, like, you know, the, the kind of things that she did, the fact that, you know, she shared a platform with other brands. So I suppose she was still thinking about the viability of the business, but she saw opportunities in terms of maintaining the profile. I think a classic example of pivoting a business in the short term and not seeing any harmful effects as, as a consequence. Yeah, and I think startups are in a fairly privileged position in the sense that they're able to steer their ship quickly and nimbly and actually turn their business in a different direction or focus. I think the fact that coronavirus has affected everyone we're all in it together. So Kerry's thought about the bigger picture and who can she collaborate with. Um, and I think that is a great way of doing business. And I think businesses can achieve more by banding together. And that's what Kerry's done. Um, interestingly, I don't know if you saw that recent Burger King advert, Andrew. The title said, Order from McDonald's. And this was a advert by Burger King. So it says, you know, we never thought we'd ask you to do this, but we're encouraging to eat from KFC, Domino's, you know, Yo Sushi, all these food outlets. And it says at the end of the advert, quite tongue in cheek, it says, getting a Whopper is always best, but ordering a Big Mac is also not such a bad thing. So yeah. I think if big brands like that are, you know, collaborating and talking about their competitors in that way, I think it's it's quite reassuring. Well, so some people argue that's genius marketing. I've got to say 2020 we've seen a lot of things happen this year that we'd never expect to see and that burger king advert sounds like one of it i'm gonna to have to google that now you told me about that so thank you ollie just to round off this part of the uh, podcast ollie and finishing off your chat with kerry about the challenges that she was facing it was the point she made about asking for advice and asking for help now we often come across this on the podcast where people share really simple advice and information which is so gobsmackingly obvious that you think well why aren't we already doing that? And it's the same case here, the fact that she said uh, she's a great lover of asking advice of people. And I think that's such a wonderful skill because I think it's a skill really, being big enough to know when it's not in your own skill set and knowledge set and therefore you're going to go and find someone to, to talk to about it. Yeah, I think it probably is out of most people's comfort zone. But like Kerry says, the, the amount of potential learning that you get from people that have been there, done it and got the T-shirt is going to be invaluable. You just got to swallow your pride and reach out to people. If you don't ask, you don't get at the end of the day. And sort of coming back to your other point, Andrew, I think business essentially is pretty simple and easy to understand. People are, have overcomplicated it, potentially because they're trying to 
sell their services. But at the end of the day, it's all about people building relationships, creating value for your customers and getting them to shout about you to refer your business on to other people. So I think sometimes we, we forget the fundamentals and just overcomplicate it. You're listening to Founded and Grounded. Reality, reassurance and inspiration every fortnight for the startup community. Right, so we're moving on through this latest episode and we're coming now to the final part of our conversation with Kerry from Amshella. And we always ask our guest entrepreneurs for one piece of wisdom, one thing that they're passing to their fellow entrepreneurs. So this is what Kerry had to say, firstly, about what the future has in store for her business. And of course, that one piece of advice for you. In five years time, we will have our own store. We're currently, we've just actually found, which is a bit of an exclusive, our first stockist. That's kind of now been put on hold because of the next, the nether lockdown. Um, but we should be going in store early in the new year now. But ultimately for Amshella itself, my vision is that we have our own UK stores within the next five years. And we've expanded into other product markets. So handbags will always be our core, but there will be other products that we will do which i cannot tell you yet ollie because i would be giving you an exclusive it, so it could be clothing right <laughs> it could be a lot of things it, it could it could be a lot of things but we've just done during this time of being off with the pandemic yeah we've just finished our five-year expansion plan so there's a few exciting things that will be happening the first thing will be the launch of the signature collection which will be online for October 2021 and we are really really excited about that because it's going to be our official stamp so what I mean by that if you think of Chanel for example their flat bag itself is their signature look another brand I think of Gucci for example Gucci don't exactly have a signature bag but what they do have is a signature print so everyone recognizes don't they that green and red stripe on on a Gucci bag We've been having a lot of fun coming up with the Amshella signature and what that will look like. So we're looking forward to that next year. Sounds like exciting times ahead then for for the brand and the business. Exciting and stressful times, (laughs) Ollie. So have you got any questions that you'd like to ask our listeners, maybe around a new product line, a strategy? Yeah, I'd like to ask our female listeners, what is their favourite handbag style? Would it be a tote bag, a shoulder bag, or a clutch bag? Awesome. Cool. And we'll get some uh, answers for you on that, Kerry. Yeah. Um, If you could distill one piece of advice that you'd park on to somebody thinking of starting their own business, what would it be? The advice that I would give is advice that I myself received from Tuka Solomon from Dragon's Den. And the advice that he gave me, which is the advice I think has just been infallible, is to focus on your brand awareness. When you start a brand, it's very easy to think about sales all the time and be very sales driven because you've invested a lot of money, obviously, to set up your brand. However, if you spend the first couple of years focusing on your brand awareness, getting your brand name known, getting yourself known, getting people to the consumer to know who you are, to identify with you and your core values and align themselves with you that way, then sales will naturally come. So I think turn the situation on its head, focus on brand awareness for the first couple of years. 
And lastly, where can people find you online? You can find us at www.amshella.co.uk. Um, you can also find us on Instagram at Amshella. You can also find us on Twitter and on Facebook at Amshella. And I just spell Amshella for you again. It's A-M-S-C-H-E-L-A. So that's www.amshella.co.uk. Awesome. Thank you very much. Okay. Kerry, have you got a, an offer for our listeners? Yes, I do. So we can offer a 20% discount on any Amshella product if they use the code FOUNDED20. So FOUNDED20 will give any of you lovely ladies who'd like to purchase that Amshella handbag 20% discount. Amazing, Kerry. Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. You're welcome. So there we go. And just before we go on to that one piece of advice, Ollie, very interesting that Kerry has quite conventional aspirations. And I don't mean that as an insult, but in terms of having, if you like, a bricks and mortar aspirations for her brands, because it seems we're in a time where everyone's going in the opposite direction. And that's been particularly accelerated by COVID. It seems that there's still a place for that high street presence, so to speak. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Like you say, the at the moment we're seeing a reverse in terms of, you know, lots of bricks and mortar businesses going online and going direct to consumer. But I think ultimately, if you're creating a bit of a buzz, if you're creating a an experience for your customers, then actually you can create quite a lot of magic in a retail environment. So if you're doing something different and attracting people into the into the shop, then why not try it out? See see how it goes. Okay, let's turn to that piece of advice then. And I really like this. It's a really interesting one because, again, this is something that no one else in the series so far has come up with. And it's always nice to sort of mine for new wisdom. And Kerry's come up with a a cracker here. And that's to focus on brand awareness, which is like, well, okay, well, so what? Because I guess everyone thinks about their brand. But she is saying pretty much for the first couple of years, turn on its head. So for the first couple of years, almost obsess about your brand, your brand profile, your brand presence. And then she says the sales will follow. It's a very interesting and potentially powerful piece of of advice, Ollie. Yeah, and I think it's a really good one. I think if you build a brand, it resonates with customers. It has an emotional connection with them. And it does take time to build a brand. But I think if you do build a brand, then your business is going to be very, very strong. It's got an intangible asset value to it and I think Kerry sees that bigger picture and I think the words of Tuka Suleiman who gave her that advice from Dragon's Den are certainly stuck with her and it certainly put her business in a in a good light going forwards. And I think it's also important for entrepreneurs to remember that they are the brand as well. The brand is not just a logo or something you stick on a website it's actually how you carry yourself and how you conduct yourself. Definitely and I think it's about what people would say about your business behind your back essentially that's what a brand is great stuff well as you heard there kerry had a question for us so here's freya over in our social media corner just reminds you of this episode's question and also those social platforms through which you can get in touch with us this episode's question from kerry is what is your favorite handbag style is it a tote bag a shoulder bag or a clutch bag and you can let us know your thoughts. You can find us on social media. We'd love to hear from you. On both Instagram and Twitter, we're Founded Grounded. And on Facebook, we're Founded and Grounded. So give us a follow to keep updated. Okay, thank you very much indeed there, Freya. And also just a reminder that Kerry has very kindly set up a discount code 
for listeners for this particular episode. So if you did have designs on a new bag for yourself or your partner, then there is a code that you can use, a discount code when you go onto the website, and it is founded20. That's right, Ollie. Indeed, yep. 20% discount on... 20% discount. Don't say that we're not good to you, okay? Okay, that's where we end things for this edition. Thank you very much indeed once again to Carrie for her time. Uh, wish her all the best as uh, she goes into a year, hopefully a better year for all of us, but it certainly sounds like exciting times ahead for Kerry. Ollie, thank you. And of course, I guess I've got to say good luck for the next week or so. Thank you very much. I'll keep you updated, Andrew. Excellent. And we'll listen out for good news very shortly. Finally, to you, dear listener, thank you very much indeed for listening. We realise you have a choice and you've chosen us for the last half hour or so. So thank you very much indeed. You've been listening to Founded and Grounded with myself, Andrew Parsonage, and with Ollie Collard and Freya Scott there on the socials. We'll be back again with another tale from the world of entrepreneurialism and starting your own business. For now, though, please continue to look after yourselves, take care, and we look forward to speaking with you again very soon. Cheerio. Cheerio.